So we just found that Jimmy Pesto is planning on releasing a podcast. We're going to try and beat him to air. Today we're talking about Bob's Burgers fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about long-running adult animated sitcom Bob's Burgers, and here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I don't know how I didn't prepare something for this. This is the perfect... <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know what? I'm just... I'm just... It's fine. I'm just... Uh, Here's what I'll do. Uh, I'm going to go to Z. I'm going to go to yeah, Z. Go and to I'll Z. Come back I to got you. nothing. I got oh, nothing man, somehow. Unprecedented. And Nick Z. I am the to thine own self be blur burger of podcasting. Uh. <laughs> and we go back to tea. Here we go. Uh, the coming up short burger. I, I, I'm just on a bit of a break right now from from burger names. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, special guests we have joining us today are the hosts of Pods Burgers, the Land Sisters, Jen and Brittany. Thank you for joining us today. Thank Thanks. you. We're so excited. I don't have a burger name either, and that's embarrassing because I have a podcast about Bob's <laughs> I know. Burgers. I feel really lame right now. <laughs> if it makes you feel ever... any better, I had the wiki open and everything. So. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Behind the curtain. Oh, wait. Could have gone with erotic friends fiction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to do like half a dozen takes at the end of the uh, episode, no, no, you that's can just fine. slot them in. You can that's do that. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> As you mentioned, we have special guests, and we're talking about Bob's Burgers today. So I'm just going to mention a couple things in case you're listening to this episode and have never seen or heard any Bob's Burgers before. Bob's Burgers is an American animated sitcom created by Lauren Bouchard that premiered on Fox on January 9th, 2011. The series centers on the Belcher family, parents Bob and Linda, and their children Tina, Jean, and Louise run a hamburger restaurant the show was conceived by bouchard after he developed home movies uh, it is produced and distributed in association with 20th century fox television and in 2013 tv guide ranked bob's burgers as one of the top 60 greatest tv cartoons of all time the series has been nominated for several awards including the emmy award for outstanding animated program seven consecutive times which it won in 2014 and in 2017 it only started in 2011 I was surprised that it had started so far back, and oh, I'd only I started watching it recently. Shame <laughs> been on, on show you. For, uh, been around for at least a decade. Shame. I mean, I will accept the shame. Uh, I, <laughs> I have watched a lot of shows with H. John Benjamin, and I, I don't know why I just keep coming back to him. And I don't know why it took me so long to get into Bob's Burgers. And I don't shame you. I'm just glad you're with us now. Oh, yes. That is <laughs> such a much better way to look at it. Like McDonald, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> More on him later. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I collected a little bit of search data on Bob's Burgers from Google Trends. Uh, unlike most of the stuff we cover, Bob's Burgers is fairly recent. So we have the entire Google search history of Bob's Burgers. And it looks like it is the most popular that it has ever been. It is increasing oh, wow. in popularity, I would say. Uh, there was a big spike in 2011, which is when the show premiered in January 2011. And uh, it wasn't as popular again until around January 2014, which I think is when the third season came out on DVD. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Jen and, and Brittany, do you know why the show might have suddenly became really popular around that time? 
I don't. You know my stance. It should have been popular the whole time. So <laughs> we talked about it a little bit line. in one of our episodes where we feel like it really started to hit its stride right around the third season. So maybe that's just when people started getting into it. That's maybe maybe when the word of mouth finally hit its stride and people were like, you got to see this show. And then mm-hmm. by the time we got to third season, everyone yeah. was finally on board. Yeah. If you spend any time reading about Bob's Burgers on the internet, I do. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about the early seasons and the animation and them trying to kind of find themselves as characters and as a show. And the first and second season are actually very different from the subsequent seasons in the way that they handle transitions and the way that they handle music cues and things like that. And the first and second seasons tend to be a little less accessible. So maybe it just reached a point where, you know, the family guy... Simpsons fans could really get on board. Just a theory. Cool. The first couple seasons are shorter than the other ones, aren't they? Yes. Significantly fewer episodes. Season two is only nine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> also, most popular countries for Bob's Burgers, not super surprising. United States is number one. Mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Ireland, United Kingdom, Sweden, South Africa, Norway, Singapore. For the most part, English-speaking countries. Makes sense. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Not any big surprises there. This is a mistake that I made, but uh, I only realized it now. I looked up fan fiction for Bob's Burgers on fanfiction.net, mm-hmm. an archive of our own. For whatever reason, I did not look up erotic friend fiction. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a little bit of interesting data on the fanfics there. Fanfiction.net has 200 Bob's Burgers fanfics. Archive of Our Own has about 200. Who wants to guess what the top character is featured in the fanfics? Oh, I want to know what Jen thinks. I think it's Tina. Okay. I definitely I feel like it's Tina. Okay. Got two for Tina, okay. Um, I was going to say Tina, but I want to make... <laughs> <laughs> for the record, uh, Bob's Burgers fans think it's Tina. <laughs> well, let's say uh, Tammy. Okay. Oh, Ooh. oh. Going deep cuts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Louise. All right. For once, Z, you are the one who is right. Wow. Really? Yep. Wow. So top three characters. Louise is featured in 71% of the fanfics. Wow. Tina, close behind, 61%. And close behind that, Bob, 59%. Interesting. I guess, Louise, there's some fertile ground there Uh for putting into Mm -hmm. a a fanfic. I guess I could see that. But I feel like Tina has the most to offer. That's what I think, too. As you guys did, I would immediately assume Tina. Yeah. (laughs) Because she'd be the one most likely to write it. Right? (laughs) Maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's enough of that going on in-universe that people are like, (laughs) I I just want to see where she goes with this. It's very true. Are half of them about like she finally takes the bunny ears off or she reveals? <laughs> oh, I can't what even. What happens with the bunny ears? <laughs> that, that's so weird. I can't even deal with that. The episode where she actually has the bunny ears stolen is so distressing oh, to yeah. me. I can't even yeah. tell you. Yeah. I also didn't look up the equestronauts, but that's just classic <laughs> for me. Not thinking about things until the last minute. <laughs> I also tried to find data about the fans, and I couldn't find any this week. But I did find a little bit about. Nielsen data of fans of Bob's Burgers or watchers of Bob's Burgers rather 
from a site, The Wrap, viewers of Bob's Burgers are among the least wealthy of primetime TV watchers. They have a median household income of 48,800 US dollars annually. Uh, modern family and parks and recreation viewers were the most wealthy, uh, 81,000 US dollars. But what I found interesting was what I found out after that, which is someone went to the trouble of trying to figure out how much money Bob makes in a year. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so good uh, and they've broken it down meticulously i will post it in the show notes but they go through the capacity of bob's burgers the number of paying customers they'd seen in each month what they ate and how much it costs oh. all of that stuff apparently after all of the costs for running the restaurant bob probably makes about forty-four thousand dollars a year hmm. okay it's more than i would have thought yeah yeah, but uh, apparently people speculate that based on where Bob's Burgers might take place, that that might not be enough to get by. That is <laughs> less than half of what is required to qualify for food stamps. Yeah. I wonder if they took into account little things like Linda's spending habits, such as when they oh. decide to open the brunch and she's just giving people mimosas oh. left and right. Yeah. And the bed and breakfast. <laughs> yes. And she goes and buys candles and yep. potpourri. Yep. <laughs> quick search of that page they did not so it's probably much worse than that. yeah <laughs> yeah they didn't, didn't take a bunch of expenditure into account i think they were just figuring out like how much does he earn and not how much does he spend because the answer is probably right. a lot like that tv yeah. spot for the super bowl yes yeah <laughs> yeah nice and the time that he bought Burger Boss because he thought he was going to make all kinds of money off of having a video game in the restaurant yeah. <laughs> he yeah, did not <laughs> A lot of different things. Uh, those are the facts that I have for Bob's Burgers from this week. Why? All right. How did each of y'all, Jen Brittany, start your Bob's Burgers journey? Like, were you early adopters? Were you into it, like, right when it started? Or did you come around to it a little later? So we definitely have to start with Jen on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually started watching it in 2011 the first run of season one. For me, it's an interesting way to come about it because I don't watch cartoons. There's actually, I watch Archer, but other than that, I don't watch The Simpsons. I don't watch Family Guy. I never watched home movies. It's just not my thing. And that's what surprised me, I think, about when she contacted me to say, look, have you started watching this yet? And I thought that surely she is not watching this. She does not watch <laughs> cartoons. No. She just doesn't. But that says something about Bob's Burgers. And I'm sure we'll get into that more later. But um, I was actually living in Seattle at the time, apart from Brittany, who is my sister and my best friend. So I was in a dark place where, uh, you know, I was I was in a new city all by myself. And one night I went and got myself some Pad Thai and a bottle of wine and I turned the TV on, and Sexy Dance Fighting was on the television. <laughs> and I'm so glad that it was Sexy Dance Fighting, because Human Flesh is actually the very first Bob's Burgers episode. And it's a great episode, but it just wouldn't have captured my attention the way that Sexy Dance Fighting did. And when it got to the scene where Bob uh, poops his pants... Because he's been attacked by, yeah. by the uh, capoeira instructor. Um, I knew that this was going to basically be my religion. 
It's so interesting. If you listen to all of that out of context, it's just a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> it's amazing. We can, we can edit that and make it sound. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, and for me, as I mentioned earlier, Jen was one who contacted me. We frequently do this to each other about books and movies and television where we say, I watched this. I know you're going to love it. And she she was relentless on this one. And so I was like, <laughs> fine, I will watch Sexy Dance Fighting. She specifically said that one. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you have to see this character, Tina. You're going to completely relate to her. It's amazing. You have to watch it. And I, I got to the part where Bob pooped his pants. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm just She in. got it. Uh, I did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And to this day, when people ask me, you know, where to get started, because... <laughs> I will try to fit Bob's Burgers into the conversation no matter where I am or who I'm talking to. She just does. (laughs) Um, And a lot of times people just, I think, to get me to go away will say, okay, which one should I watch? And to this day, I tell them, if you're going to cut your teeth on Bob's Burgers, cut your teeth on Sexy Dance Fighting. Even though it's in the first season and it's not as accessible, you just can't not love that episode. It's impossible. Have you converted some people? I have. I definitely have. The one person that I have that I'm still going for, I have a friend who is a psychologist and Mm. she refuses to watch cartoons because cartoon characters don't have micro expressions and it troubles her. Yes. (laughs) And if I can get her to watch Bob's Burgers. (laughs) These are the people we know. (laughs) And it's amazing. (laughs) It's funny that you mentioned sexy dance fighting because last week we had some guests on and yeah. One of the things we do is kind of figure out, like, well, what should we research for next time? And so we have famous last words. And theirs were, how many folks tried capoeira because of this show? Yeah. <laughs> do you know anyone who has done that? I don't. <laughs> I, I do know that I was not aware of capoeira before sexy dance fighting. And now it's one of those things that now that I'm aware of it, it comes up all the time. And every time it comes up on a TV show or a, a colleague of mine his wife is taking capoeira. So he was talking to us about it and it was so hard to sit in that meeting <laughs> and not talk to him about sexy dance fighting. Cause it wasn't going to mean anything to well, him. <laughs> it, it's funny as well. So because that was the one that Jen and I first bonded over and it's one of her favorite ones and it involves capoeira. So I'm a grown woman who does Pokemon go. And, um, I caught, <laughs> yeah, I caught a, a Pokemon, uh, a while back and I sent a, uh, actually I, I couldn't send a screen cap to it cause I needed to, you needed to see it moving. Um, and it's Hitmontop and he's doing like mm-hmm. a capoeira move. Yeah. <laughs> and Jim was like, sexy dance fighting. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Basically people enable me. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> The second I hear the word capoeira, the next words out of my mouth are always Brazil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's the next thing. Ponytail. <laughs> I found it so surprising when that character comes back in, uh, what is it, like the sixth or seventh season. Mm-hmm. Sexy dance healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I kind of like that, though, because that's one of the beautiful things about Bob's Burgers is the fully realized character development that goes into it. That's part of the reason why this show appeals to me in a way that other cartoons don't. This is weird to say about a cartoon character. They're not two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They have depths. And 
the fact that the uh, instructor was the villain in Sexy Dance Fighting and comes back in Sexy Dance Healing and you get to see the healing side of him and befriending Bob, it just shows you the progression and how that can happen in the world of Bob's Burgers. And I do like the continuity of the show itself. And we've mentioned this multiple times on our podcast, the most recent being Equestronauts when um, Bob ends up getting a partial tattoo in that mm-hmm. episode. And if you see him without his shirt on in other episodes, he still has that tattoo. They do not miss a detail. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Because mm-hmm. it's never like building to some like insane story arc or anything, but like the continuity makes it feel like, you know, a little more lived in, more real. The mm-hmm. fact that you can meet, meet, meet back up with characters and they've changed. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorites is Randy, partially because he is voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. Yes. <laughs> The fact that he like, I don't know, he's he's just like a terrible filmmaker and is like, <laughs> might have been the food truck episode or maybe the, the one he appears after that where, yeah. where Louise keeps calling him a hack. And he's like, I'm not a hack. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay, I'm a hack, but I am trying. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all think that though? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They've sort of like, they got him to admit that after like a couple of appearances. Yes. Which I thought was great. It's so true. But to your point where it's not building to some great story arc, again, that's part of the beauty is think of your like, well, I don't know about your life, but my life isn't (laughs) building to a great story arc. You know, it's it's I live my life. I interact with people. They go out of my life. They come back in my life. And that's the the relatable you do nature. Sexy dance fighting. That's right. That's right. I <laughs> I poop my pants at a capoeira studio. <laughs> she really doesn't, you guys. She totally Please would take though. that out. G is starting your memoirs. It's uh, uh. it's off to a good start. <laughs> kind of related to that. What are your favorite characters? So regular size Rudy is a huge I'm a huge fan I think that there is a kindness to Rudy that uh, I aspire to Jean also has that similar vein of kindness but Rudy's is more pure Mm -hmm. Um, Jean's has an edge Rudy has she's thought about this a lot I have (laughs) you asked I did ask Um, I'm delighted anytime Rudy is in the show. Mm-hmm. There's a part in Work Hard or Die Trying Girl where Gene gets really upset and fires the cast of this play that he's putting on. Mm-hmm. And Rudy is one of the mm-hmm. people. And Gene is being very terrible to them and says, but congratulations, you're now part of the tech and people who work on it on this play with me. And it's my one man show. And you can hear in the background... Rudy really quietly says, hooray. And it's like, <laughs> he'll just cheer you on. It really Having doesn't a matter. Like Rudy is, yeah. is, everybody's got to have one of those. Yes, he's very validating. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Well, I want to go with some of the non-obvious. So obviously I um, relate to pretty much all of the Belchers in different ways. Tina and Linda are the two that I relate to the strongest. Um, I have great affection for Gene because he reminds us so much of one of our brothers. But if we go with the non-Belcher family, the unofficial Belcher, Teddy, I love Teddy. (laughs) Anytime he's involved, it just delights me. The man cannot be dishonest. 
and yet so awkward and it's appealing and <laughs> terrible. And I think that that's just humanity. Mm -hmm. But then you go to some of the other, like, as Jen says, deep cuts characters. So um, one of my most favorite episodes is Sheesh Cab Bob from season one. Mm -hmm. And that's when you first get introduced to Marshmallow. Mm -hmm. And I love mm -hmm. Marshmallow. Yeah. She is just so soothing to mm -hmm. me. I mm -hmm. want I want a Marshmallow friend. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What are your favorite characters? Yes. Can I ask you guys? Yes, we're interviewing yes, you. Because I want to talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> I find the different traits of the Belchers to be really relatable. Like Linda, I find to be the least relatable, but I'm also not a mother or a woman. So that might create a bit of distance, but like Bob's struggling to try to make sense of all this, this stuff and his family is very ridiculous and he's struggling to make ends meet, mm -hmm. but also he does some really stupid stuff on his own. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. Louise is just like this really sociopathic but still fun character. I love that you said that because I've tried to talk to people about her being a sociopath and they get really upset about it. But well, she apparently is. you've been talking to psychologists, so they know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Anyway, Whereas, go on. Yeah. I feel like everybody has a little bit of Tina in them. Yeah. Like that's, that's hard to avoid. But if I wasn't to pick one of the Belchers, I would pick Teddy because I like how he's like a kind of normal person, but like dialed up the friendship to like 11. Yeah. There's this one moment that sticks out in my mind. He's in counseling and he's on the phone with Bob. Yes. And he's like, my counselor says I should start looking out for Teddy. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, dang it, Bob, I'm going to go and help. And he leaves. Yes. He leaves in the middle of a counseling session to go yep. help Bob. But there are other moments where he's, he's like just kind of normal and really awkward, as you mentioned. I just love that you never really know where Teddy's going to go on any given episode. But it's not, like, chaotic. He's still, right. like, a real person, kind of. Yeah. Yes. I love the Thanksgiving episode, Thanks Hoarders, mm -hmm. um, which is all about you finally get to see Teddy's world, and it turns out he's a hoarder, and they're trying to help him get through that. But there's this brilliant scene where Bob is trying to help Teddy make Thanksgiving dinner, mm -hmm. and it is just exactly what it's like to cook with me. Yes. There's this part where he's trying to peel the potatoes and he's holding the sharp part of the peeler. And Bob keeps trying to get him to turn the peeler around. <laughs> and he keeps insisting that he's doing it right. Yes. It is. I relate. We we actually just cooked a burger, a Bob's burger together. And I was not aware of exactly how little jen knew about cooking until that moment so <laughs> and my favorite show is about a chef so yeah. you know so if we ever get that edited soon and, and send it out there please take a look at that because wow <laughs> it's just amazing before i move on to mine i will share a favorite teddy moment um that i recently rewatched, and i had to pause it from laughing so hard <laughs> in um the outside toilet when max flush shows up yes and Teddy goes, well, his name's Bob Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to impress this guy. <laughs> and it's the first moment you realize that Teddy actually thinks his last name is Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> because he argues with Bob when Bob informs yeah, like, him that that's not his name. <laughs> so also Teddy G or, or just a favorite no, Teddy moment? No, no, actually, it's... Uh... I'm looking at a list of characters trying to pick one. 
<laughs> and often I'll go by like like who's voicing them because I love playing spot the voice in every episode because there's always a new guest voice. Okay, I'll honorable mention to Andy and Ollie. I think they're hilarious. <laughs> yes, the the Silverman sisters. Yeah, they they, yep. they are the voices and love them. <laughs> Nobody's gonna pick fish odor. I wasn't gonna pick fish odor, but I was gonna mention that it took me entirely too long. It's like Kevin Klein. Where have I heard that name before? And I'm like, wait, Wild Wild West? And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy. <laughs> how do you think Kevin Klein feels about that that's how you know him? <laughs> probably probably not a very positive probably experience. Probably prefer a fish called Wanda. Yes, that's what yeah. I just said. I was like, would you just <laughs> choose that one? <laughs> yeah, maybe. So I'm going to I'm gonna officially pick Mr. Frond, probably. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Yes. yes. Everything about his his attitude towards how he thinks the school should be versus what it actually is is hysterical. Like <laughs> down to every poster that's in his office, or like all his weird little puppets to be small glimpses of his personal life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I need the wear your spectacles. Yes. Uh, poster to hang in my house. Uh-huh. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> all right. Uh, Teddy is just all around it's hard to say that he is not my favorite character because he's so earnestly awkward and awkwardly earnest mm-hmm. yes yes have you guys seen brunch squatch yes, yes. the first episode yes. of the eighth uh, season yeah. <laughs> it's like it was the one thing that i wanted to watch before <laughs> we recorded this i'm like okay i've i've seen up to season seven and i know that there's this fan animated episode yeah. and it's gonna be really cool yeah I couldn't make time for it. Yeah. It's pretty incredible with all of the different uh, fan art. I was beside myself when I heard that there was going to be a fan art episode because um, I love how much the show engages with their fan base. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really Mm -hmm. do care about um, those who have put the time in to watch it and the fact that they put... How many artists did they have? There were so I want, many. I want to say there were 32, but I could be making that number up. I remember reading on like BuzzFeed or somewhere like that that it was 62. Oh, okay. Really? Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah and there's a, there's a pretty incredible Teddy moment in that episode. They are serving mimosas in the brunch that they've decided to uh, put on in the cafe. And Teddy gets very confused by the orange juice and wants to know it, it tastes kind of off. And <laughs> Linda informs him that there is champagne in it. And he's alarmed because he's had five glasses up to that point. <laughs> and she asks him if it tasted weird, why did you drink five glasses of it? And he, you know, he doesn't want to make them feel bad. So he just keeps drinking this orange juice that he thinks is yeah. off. And then he finally <laughs> asks what's going on there. He's so dear. He I mean, really is. He's just such a dear. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much of the episode we want to just recounting things that Teddy I'm sorry. I just just recalled how mad he got when the deep fry was broken, so he didn't serve any fries. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he, just, like, he just got so angry that he left. Or when he, he, when he goes he, in and angrily tries to fix the deep fryer. <laughs> or when he switched right. meats and then he wanted him to go back to the, the horse the meat. The horse meat, yes. <laughs> we could keep going, we you guys. Could. Oh, we absolutely. Could. This is kind of related to the question I asked last week about Teddy. Because hmm. at a certain point, Larry Murphy moved from like featured guest to like main cast, which meant that um, like Teddy was in the show more. 
did you ever notice any backlash from that from people or was everyone just like all on board with Teddy? I think Teddy is a pretty universal beloved. I don't think that there, I think if anything, people had more of a desire to see him more often. Mm -hmm. I'm not aware of it in in any of the reading that I've done or, or anything of that nature. It's pretty universally positive when it comes to Teddy. Yeah. I don't actually know of many characters that aren't just beloved, though, on, yeah. on the show. That's part of the fandom of Bob's Burgers is if you go out and you try to find tension, it's pretty hard to find. It's unlike other mm-hmm. fandoms in that way. There's not a lot of heavy debate or argument like about... who would win in a fight? I mean, I will have that conversation if you guys want. <laughs> As it turns out, I, I might want to take us right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> maybe maybe just a little bit. Okay. Because last week, I had no idea what I wanted to look into. And so the, the famous last words that I have were, does anyone like Jimmy Pesto and why? Yes. People actually do like Jimmy Pesto. So Linda talks about Jimmy Pesto sometimes kind of as an aside when she is talking to Bob about things. There's a part of, I think it's in Burger Boss, when she is talking about this terrible tension that's between Bob and Jimmy Pesto, and she references his stupid, handsome face. (laughs) And (laughs) Bob immediately keys in on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, did you just call him him handsome and and she says back to him I thought we've talked about how handsome he is so that happens actually throughout the show where people will reference how handsome he is how well dressed he is how much money he has and I think that there's this part of them that they want to befriend Jimmy Pesto and they want to be you know where that status is and maybe there's some jealousy involved just so you know, I don't like Jimmy Pesto at all. Do you know anybody, I think he's terrible. <laughs> do you know anybody in real life who would say, that's my favorite character? No. Yeah, no. He's <laughs> definitely the villain. Short answer. Nope. Okay. I tried to find strong feelings one way or the other, and I found some bits and pieces. It's like, oh, Jimmy Pesto is like, why Jimmy Pesto is the greatest villain ever. And I found, okay. more interestingly, the piece of, uh, what was it? It was on Reddit. It was like a fan theory about Jimmy Pesto. Mm. that's about why there was all this antagonism towards bob and it was because he's jealous of yes bob. yes i've read about that mm-hmm. yeah i mean they go on and on in several episodes about how bad jimmy pesto's food actually is mm-hmm. and the fact that bob's mm-hmm. is just amazing mm-hmm. besides the fact that he also has a better family bob does all of that i think jimmy pesto deep down is like this is the life i should have but here i am an arrogant asshole. So Bob's Burgers also does something where they allow the villain to win more often than you would expect. Because usually when it comes to this type of a show with the everyman, they'll end up triumphing in the end. And sometimes that is the case. But if you think of Family Fracas, at the end, Mm -hmm. the pestos win. They win the van that Bob really wants. And... Bob actually ends up helping him change a tire at the end. Instead of kind of getting him back, he ends up kind of eating crow at but, the end. But that's okay, because yeah. that's how things go down right. in real life. You know, the everyman's not always going to triumph. 
Yeah, it's something I was going to say. Jimmy Pesto, like, does not get his comeuppance that no. much. No, he really doesn't. A lot of it is about Bob being the bigger person. Yes. Because he doesn't get comeuppance very often, um, one of my favorite ones is, uh, what's the name of the episode where they're being held hostage in the bank? Uh, Bob Day Afternoon. Bob Day Afternoon. And the guy orders pizza, and then he throws the pizza out, and he's shot it. I thought that was just amazing. Like, how bad does pizza have to be that you will shoot it (laughs) and throw it out the door? Yes. Was that Mickey? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love Mickey. (laughs) The the first appearance of Mickey. Mm -hmm. He's such a warm, gregarious person, but also like... It's true. I love him. He's also very validating. (laughs) So, earlier... Brittany had mentioned that you were really surprised that Jen had reached out to you and said, you've got to see this. You've got to watch Bob's Burgers. And you knew that Jen doesn't watch any cartoon. Happens to watch Archer, but doesn't really watch like Family Guy, Simpsons, any of of those things. And you had mentioned that, you know, that that must say something about Bob's Burgers. What is it then about Bob's Burgers? Why do people love it? It can't just be the USDA prime beef. It can't be the family (laughs) atmosphere. Which is delicious. There's got to be more to it than that. Jen and I talked about this a little bit. You know, we have a a few ideas and all of them sounded so saccharine. But from my perspective, I think it's because they make their characters so human and people can find something to relate to regardless of where they come from or the background that they have. And the tidbit that you said at the beginning about those who watch the show tend to have a lower income. Interesting, but At the same time, I found myself not surprised because I feel like maybe a younger generation, and I actually don't like the term millennials, but they are in an age group where they're more open, they're more progressive, they make less money. And I think that that's where a lot of the popularity for the show comes from. But it's surprising the fans that we have on social media, the swath of demographics that we have all ethnicities, all, you know, just all across the board. Mm -hmm. And it's really remarkable. And I think that says a lot about it. Yeah. The thing about Bob's Burgers is that it has a kindness and a gentleness to it Hmm. without lacking humor. It's hilarious. Mm -hmm. It has an edge, but it does it without poking you in the eye. Mm -hmm. And it addresses a lot of the same things that, say, a family guy addresses. But Family Guy has a really sharp edge to it. Mm-hmm. And they pull no punches across the board on Family Guy. And their it, punches kind of are, nobody is safe. Their punches are rapid jabs. Like yes. They'll do many in an episode. Yeah. And that's great for what it is. But Bob's Burgers kind of creates this place where it's so accepting of whoever the person is who is either a character in the show or who is watching the show. Mm-hmm. It just makes you feel like that you could be a part of that world and be okay. Tina smells terrible. They talk about it all the time. But <laughs> Tina also regularly finds romantic love. You know, it's it's this thing where this acceptance of whatever is happening with that person, that doesn't matter. We're not going to, you know, beat it into the ground that she's disgusting. Yeah. I'm sorry, did you see the look on my face? Just that I just pictured us going to Wonder Wharf together. <laughs> and that would yes. be so happy. <laughs> it would be so amazing. Okay. Before or after it falls apart? Uh, yes. Before, preferably. Jen doesn't swim. No. So. <laughs> we had a question from last week from one of the other guests that we had, uh, Patrick. 
he had asked, what if Tina was a Dragon Ball Z character? Oh, man. <laughs> Brittany's oh, going to have to take this, this one. <laughs> I, am, I am not familiar with Dragon Ball Z, but that's a big part of her world. Oh, so. yeah. So Chris the Archivist, <laughs> who is also a character on our podcast um, and is my partner, is an enormous Dragon Ball Z fan. In fact, I think he's listening to the live stream right now. So hi, Chris the Archivist. Oh, wow. Hi, Chris. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I have learned so much about Dragon Ball Z through osmosis and just peripherally being just immersed. What if Tina were a Dragon Ball Z character? I feel like she would be something along the lines of a... Are you ready? This is going to mean nothing to me, <laughs> but go on. Oh, this is, this is like everyone this. else in relation to your love. Yes. There are characters in Dragon Ball Z that are kind of the comic relief. Mm-hmm. There's a character called Mr. Satan, and I'm not, not even lying. Or there's one called Yajirobe. And so I feel like she would be one of those that <laughs> thinks that she's a really powerful, strong fighter, but she's not really. And so she's that comic relief. Either that or she would be like um, a Broly character, which is like a mega Saiyan. Yes, a okay. Broly yeah, character yeah. for sure. All <laughs> <laughs> well, made sense. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because when you're saying, oh, it'd be a, a comic relief character, I can immediately imagine her being like, hey, guys, it's okay. I got this. And yes. Punch is like, ow. That was the most amazing Tina that, that you just was. did. That was great. I was really <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Chris is going to be so mad that I, I called Broly a Mega Saiyan because I can't remember what they're actually okay. called. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. This kind of potentially brings us back around to the uh, the matter of contentious elements in the fandom, of which it sounds like there are none. Not, not. But <laughs> that we're aware of. Yeah, right. Because the fandom is many people. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know exactly what's going on everywhere in it. But the thing that I had asked last week to try to figure out for this week was if there was any sort of noise among the fandom about the voice acting cast and like and the. I guess gender imbalance yes. in it. Yeah. Do fans care? Do they even notice? They do care. They do notice. If you go looking for any tension, mm-hmm. there's two that stand out the most. And one is really lighthearted. And it is that there is a persistent fan theory that Bob's family is dead and mm-hmm. that Bob is imagining everything that's happening. And there's a lot of debate about that and people who are upset about it, yeah. but that's the more lighthearted side. The other one is exactly this, the conversation around more diversity mm-hmm. being a part of the show, specifically the people who work on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I had mentioned to Jen, I was like, why are there not more people of color on the show itself? And mm-hmm. I was like, Marshmallow mm-hmm. and the mailman. Yeah. I mean, like, and, yeah. and and I could name yeah. other deep Dr. cuts yeah, character. And, yeah, um, all of that. But. but yeah, particularly what you hear about the most is the male voice actors who are voicing female characters and the need mm-hmm. to have more female voice actors is what you hear about the most. It's not exclusive, but that's what you hear about the most. And okay. the creators and the showrunners have acknowledged it. They've talked yeah. about it. They have not addressed it. The show has a very strong feminist vibe. Very strong. Mm-hmm. And being a feminist myself, mm-hmm. 
it's something that I would like to see addressed. At the same time, with how strong of a feminist streak the show has, it shows that men can also be feminists. And I think that it's important to look at it that way, that this is coming from men and that they're putting that out there and they're intentionally putting that out there week after week Mm -hmm. after week. Mm -hmm. That is not to say that they shouldn't address it because they need to address it. But I think you're right. Actually having them standing up and having the writing and delivery of feminist messages coming from male allies is very important. Yes. Extremely But I would like some more women voice actors. Yeah. But that is really the only true contention that you can find if you go looking for it. And it comes up sometimes. I wouldn't say that it's persistent or consistent, but it's the only thing that you can really find. Yeah. That I know of. Okay. It's interesting that uh, the only apparent serious bit of contention is is something that has to do more with the meta of the show than sort of the actual show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, unless you want to talk yes. about whether Bob's family is dead. And the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> That was the other big fan theory that I came across. And I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of the points line up. We brought that up before we started the show. And it's like, it, feels, it seems to be like a catch-all. Like, like your first fan theory for any given show is everyone's dead except one character or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't phone it in, you guys. <laughs> Come on. Do about you guys. But... <laughs> it's like fan theory 101, you know? Yeah, there it's you go. It's all in Mr. Franz's mind. Let's like, oh, like there take you go. a couple steps up, right? FYI, uh, Chris the Archivist texted me. It's a um, legendary Super Saiyan, for the record. Just wanted to put that out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you said... Jen, that you hadn't really watched like The Simpsons or Family Guy or, or any of that stuff. Do you think that might feed into like why Bob's Burgers is like such a special thing for you? Because a lot of people would be like, it's the next Simpsons or the next King of the Hill, and people almost see it as a continuation of that, even though like it has its own vibe yeah. and its own sense of humor. I think for me, it's about what we've talked about with the fully realized characters and the world that feels authentic. And I have not experienced that in many cartoons. Another cartoon that just occurred to me that I watch is the Venture Brothers. Mm -hmm. But if you think about the three cartoons that I watch, they all have this strong theme of a world and characters that evolve and references back to previous episodes or previous seasons. And you get that a little bit in The Simpsons. I've seen a few episodes I haven't seen enough of Family Guy to know if that's the case there. But for me, that's why it's special to me is this authenticity that exists that, like I said, you feel like you could just show up in that world Mm -hmm. and you could actually exist in that world as a human and it would be a completely normal thing to have happen. Sorry, I just thought about showing up in the Venture Brothers (laughs) world too. (laughs) Rock Samson. Yeah, so I think I, <laughs> I think that's the case for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think about the the different types of cartoons that I've watched. I watched a lot of Family Guy, and honestly, I don't want to speak to this coming from a fan perspective, but I feel like their concept is lack of continuity. Like they will just go all over where they need to, and yeah, there are some constants, but in general. 
that's not their thing. Mm -hmm. And Bob's does it the most elegantly and the most consistently. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't find flaws. Mm -hmm. Have you ever found any flaws in their continuity? A couple. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. (laughs) That's one of the challenges of being a a writer. Like, Bob's Burgers is not like The Simpsons that's been running for, like, 20 more than 20 oh too long 25 i think <laughs> where it's almost impossible to maintain a continuity because bart and lisa should be much everyone should be much older <laughs> bob springers isn't nearly as long so it's it's a little bit easier to have continuity when you have so many different episodes and concepts and writers and you know you like oh we tried this episode and we tried this in the writing and it didn't work out it it's unavoidable that there's going to be some continuity issues or when you go from a pilot and mm. then you change details of the pilot into the the main story Right. And when I come across certain things like that, I have to remind myself that literally even the showrunners cannot possibly have watched the episodes as many times as I have. It's true. So it would be really hard to uncover those things. She doesn't listen to music in the morning when she's getting ready. She watches Bob's Burgers. I know this for a fact. I listen to that if I can't see it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although, interestingly, when you talked about the pilot and then moving over into the actual show itself, Jen and I had an interesting conversation about the original concept of Bob's Burgers. Are you familiar with this? The only things I know about that is they took home movies and they wanted to kind of do more with that. And also that they changed Daniel the Tina. That is literally all that I know about the pilot. The Daniel the Tina thing is huge for me because I can't. I can't fathom a world without Tina in it. So that's huge. Mm -hmm. But the original concept for the show, remind me the creator's name. Lauren Bouchard. Okay. So he had worked on all of those prior ones. So Dr. Katz and and Home Movies and all of that. And he wanted to do something similar that had that weird edgy adult vibe to it. Mm -hmm. But for primetime, this one didn't work out because the family was originally supposed to be cannibals. And that's where you get the first episode, Human Flesh. (laughs) And they live next door to a mortuary and like all of those kinds of things. So it it was legitimately, they were a family of cannibals. Mm -hmm. So, And when he pitched it, they said, thank you, no. (laughs) We like this, not this. So... How about he just makes burgers? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Very delicious burgers. <laughs> so he went ahead and just crammed that storyline into human flesh. And so he still got to do what he wanted. But yeah. Yeah. They kind of touch on the episode with the horse meat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they're not really burgers. Yeah. <laughs> so with the amount that I'm now inferring that you watch the show, <laughs> are you like, sort of continually looping through the entire series or do you just like pick out whatever episode you feel like at a given time well let me tell you (laughs) okay mondays tuesdays and wednesdays (laughs) (laughs) something like that (laughs) so i'm usually somewhere in the course of re-watching it from beginning to end at any given time and then i'll loop back but in between that Um, I have my go-tos. I have my episodes that I return to constantly. The number one episode that I have watched more than any other episode is The Land Ship. Which came as a surprise to you because it wasn't until you looked at your stats that you realized that that was the one you'd watched so much. It's a really amazing episode that has such phenomenal comedic moments when uh, the character Jordan 
uh, has his mm-hmm. first kiss with Tina, oh and she has to tell him, let's work on a few things. You don't have to put my nose and my mouth inside your mouth when you kiss me. <laughs> and the noise that he makes when he's kissing her is just terrible and but I, hilarious. I, I love that episode, but I have misophonia, and so watching that episode makes me want to crawl out of my skin yeah. and, like, tear it to shreds so yeah the kissing noises are so bad anyway (laughs) so go and find the land ship watch it love it but yes i do have my go-tos i have a handful that i will watch over and over again the thing that's um i don't know interesting (laughs) sure is i will not allow myself to watch the holiday themed episodes unless it is during that time of year so if I'm going through the seasons, I skip those unless it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Halloween. And then I binge those. And those are pretty much the ones that I exclusively watch during that time of year. That and the movie Scrooged. She watches Scrooged <laughs> endlessly. Bobcat Goldthwait. It's, uh, it's charming. <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait actually did a voice in one of my favorite Bob's Burgers episodes, Christmas in the Car. What, yes. What's oh, this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I love that episode. Okay. It's just. I, yeah. I remember watching that and I'm like, why does this voice sound so familiar? And I <laughs> yeah. looked it up and I was like, oh my God. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I'm going to bang your butt? Yeah. I thought we weren't going to call it that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I have to give a shout out to my fiance's favorite episode, one we've watched the most hands down, which is Broadcast Wagstaff School News. <laughs> mainly for gene dressing up as Bob. yes <laughs> baby bob yes <laughs> you should tell your fiance to um listen to two episodes ago of pods burgers because we highlighted that one mm-hmm. in in that episode I i'll go over to that one <laughs> very soon after we're done just, just the like the direction of like the quick cuts to every single person that's in the tiny bathroom reacting to each other, to them yelling at That scene is brilliant. It's interesting that you bring that scene up in particular because the two things that people talk about with regard to that specific episode is the Mad Pooper song, which oh, is so a good. beautiful piece of funk music that you just need to go get and put on whatever listening device that you use and just listen to it. And that scene where they're arguing in the bathroom is a fan favorite it's so because good. it's amazing. The timing... To your point, the jump cuts, all of it is incredible. So if y'all haven't seen the Mad Pooper episode, please go watch it. That and Sexy Dance Break. <laughs> <laughs> like the direction is a lot of fun for like an animated show, especially I feel like they don't do this as much in the later seasons, but when they'd have the frame of everyone and then just zoom in on each person's face. Yes. For reactions. It's been a while since they did that. With that really jolting musical cue that would happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd started watching Bob's Burgers and I knew that we were going to do this episode. And it wasn't like I decided, hey, I should watch the entire Bob's Burgers before we watch this episode. (laughs) But I did that. So I've watched up to season seven. But one thing I noticed as I'm marathoning the show is that, you know, at first there's some musical notes to the show. You know, Gene's playing around on his keyboard. But somewhere in like season five or six, 
suddenly the show is just like you know what we're doing full-on musical numbers this is not just like a bit part (laughs) why do you think that changed i think that they reached a point where they had the creative uh freedom they had they had reached popularity that they had the creative freedom that they could because it kind of feels like to me once they hit that point and started doing it it was kind of like lauren bouchard had this everything in my life has been leading to this moment moment <laughs> yeah and he wanted and to just... open the, the the piano bar that, yes that was his his dream yes yeah. and it and it just became this trope that they would use in fact the movie that's coming out in uh 2020 is slated to be a musical so oh, it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be amazing uh-huh. Another interesting thing about Bob's Burgers for me is that I also do not care for musicals at all. I cannot stand musicals. The show makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I mean, you're just like, you know, I don't like this and this and this, but I love Bob's Burgers. Like, I know. What? I don't understand it. I you just got to go with it. But I love Bob's Burgers musicals. I will, I'll take as much music as they want to throw in there. I will take it. I can't explain it. Well, it's, it's well written it's creative the lyrics are really good mm-hmm. they don't go too long with the songs like yes. you said it's not like some like drawn out les miserables moment so <laughs> it's just that just happened totally dead <laughs> you guys but yeah i mean the the musical i i think that they probably realize exactly the level of talent that they had involved in the show too we've mm-hmm. talked multiple times about linda's voice mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. John Roberts. John Roberts. He has the most incredible voice. Like, not... Mm-hmm. When he's singing as Linda, obviously, it's... it's. But you can still tell that he has really good control and range. But then you hear him actually singing in his voice. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Yeah. Just beautiful. Yeah. So, thank God that they reached that point yes. where they started doing that. Because... When I found out that The Bleakening, which was the Christmas episode in season eight, uh, was a musical, Mm -hmm. I absolutely could not wait for that to air. And it delivered. It it felt like an actual musical. It wasn't like the other episodes where the, the songs happen and then it kind of just proceeds back to being a Bob's Burgers episode. It really felt like you were watching a musical, but in a good way, which is odd for me yeah we were like blown away by that because there'd be like little songs that gene does and then i think we start getting things like nice things are nice yes we, we have not only a song but a motif yes and yeah. then like some of the songs are started introducing like counterpoint and things like that and i was like what <laughs> on bob's burgers and i was like man it's like the songs yeah. are top notch yeah. as you said absolutely they are adept at the musical theater yes so we've got this show, Bob's Burgers, that like over time has become better and better and better and better. The music has improved so much so that Eugen, a person who does not like musicals, is eagerly looking forward to a musical episode whenever one's announced. You've got the continuity that, even though you've noticed a few things here and there, is still like pretty dang good. So in terms of the future of the series, and this is open up to you as well, Brittany, would you want to see the series go on for forever, potentially? Or do you think it would be better if it had a more definite end? We've talked about this. I'm actually afraid of the time that Bob's Burgers ends. <laughs> I, it's one of those yeah. moments like 
when you think about, this is going to sound so terrible, but when you think about the death of someone you love and then you immediately have to stop thinking about it because it's something that you can't think about. Um, Bob's Burgers has been uh, such a huge part of my life. And as silly as it sounds for a little cartoon, it's it's made such an impact on my life mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to imagine not having that moment where I'm going to have the new material right. to enjoy. That being said, I think that I've proven throughout the years that I can get a tremendous amount of enjoyment from what is already there. So for me, I would rather see it have a natural end than to continue on and start to degrade. Right. Yeah. That actually is a bigger fear for me than it ending. I don't know how it's possible with as quality as it is. I, but all things kind of run their course. Right. So for me, Mm -hmm. I don't want it to end anytime soon, but I would rather that it not just keep going forever. If I could be guaranteed that the quality would stay the same or get better as time went on, absolutely. I'd be like, let's just keep it going. But the voice actors are not likely to do this forever. You know, it's just, like you said, things run their course. So if they ever tried to replace anybody's voice on that show, I would riot. So it's just, I I feel like eventually it's going to have to find a natural end and I would rather it go out on a high note. I feel like the fandom feels the same. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've collected in my readings and and speaking to other fans, I think that's a pretty common theme Mm -hmm. that there's an understanding that it is so quality that let's just let it go when it is so quality. Whenever that is, let's not anytime soon. Not talk too much about it. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode, the comparison between Bob's Burgers and The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I know that with Simpsons fandom, from my own experience and from what I've, like, I guess heard through the grapevine, most people who were fans of The Simpsons for the first maybe nine seasons think those were the greatest. And maybe that's just because that's what they were growing up with. You know, who knows? There are many factors. But those people look at the the recent seasons of The Simpsons and they say, it's pretty bad. There might be one good episode a season. Yeah. But it's it sounds like Bob's Burgers maybe uh maybe could avoid that. Yeah. Let's hope that they do. I, I say they still have like four or five seasons left in them at least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least. Well, I mean, if they balance the voice acting cast and bring in a bunch of, of female voice actors, they've gotta have new characters for them, right? That's so. true. That's absolutely there true. There you go. Refreshing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to get you engaged with that with the Fox folks. <laughs> if the Big Bang Theory yeah, can well, go on for twelve seasons, I think we can get. <laughs> I think we can get a couple Good more call. seasons out of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> yeah, let's let's like a King of the Hill like run. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bob's Burgers. I think that's more than fair. Yep. King of the Hill thirteen. Whoa! I did not know that. Yeah. Last episode aired in two thousand ten. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of King of the Hill I have not seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I never watched King of the Hill, did you? No. But I mean, it's a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) silly me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I was going to say, there's a lot of parallels, not just from me. I've seen a lot of people saying this online as well, that Bob's Burgers is more like King of the Hill than it is a Simpsons or a Family Guy, and that it's, it's much more 
about building characters and character based mm-hmm. whereas family guy will go as far as it needs to to find the joke like right they will abandon continuity or anything like king of the hill is like much more grounded yes and yeah. family based so yeah bob's burgers is along those lines as well I can see that. Um, I'm somewhat familiar with the uh, Bobby Hill character just through pop culture uh, osmosis. And I think there's parallels with Gene. Yeah, for sure. It maybe, maybe has yeah. slight overlaps with Gene. There could be yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, something there. Yeah. I think regular size Rudy looks like Bobby. You're oh. right. Because <laughs> he's the, he's the That's same. That's true. There's also... I, I feel bad because I don't remember. There's like a nerdy character that gets paired up with Tina in an episode... He shows up a couple other times. He's oh, like the president um, of the student council. Oh, oh. Played, uh, played by Jim Gaffigan. Henry. Uh, yeah. yeah. I can't remember his I, last name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. There's a scene when the two of them show up and I'm like, is that just like Bobby Hill and Hank Hill, but they're not. Because <laughs> wow. they can't do that. We have to watch that and with that in mind. Yes. <laughs> you're blowing my mind. <laughs> I mean, that's what we aim for on this podcast. <laughs> All right. I've got... A question that I don't know if it is going to lead anywhere, but I must ask it because I want to know. How important is it to love H. John Benjamin to love Bob's Burgers? Because I watched some of home movies when I was growing up. It was weird, but I really enjoyed it. He shows up in Archer and a number of other shows that I watched. And just like, it's just a very iconic voice. Maybe because he's not trying. I don't know. How important is that (laughs) in loving Bob's Burgers and loving Bob? I think it helps. I think it certainly helps. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually kind of like the gateway drug to get people to watch oh, yeah. uh, Bob's Burgers. If you if you let them know that H. John Benjamin is one of the voice actors, it, it really kind of hooks them. So I will admit I use that. I think the thing that's fascinating about him is that he is able to do, at least for me, two very iconic characters, Archer and Bob. They're so I don't feel like he really changes his voice no. all that much when he does it. No. Maybe the way he delivers lines is is different, but I don't mix them up. It, you know, it it's very clear. I mean, you don't have to be watching the show, right? But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, it's a, it's essentially the same voice, but somehow he makes it work. Yes, that he doesn't have to change his voice between the two. Yeah. There, that is, I don't know what that is. I don't know where that talent is. <laughs> Nobody does that talent. except him. Yeah, because he is. Those are four vastly different characters in the four examples that we've talked about. He was in Doctor Katz. Mm-hmm. He was in Home Movies. Mm-hmm. He's in Archer, and he's in. Um, Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are we doing a podcast about? <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's all about the delivery yeah. and not the voice. Absolutely. Can we talk a little bit about the um, Bob's Burgers Archer crossover? Do you remember when that happened? Yeah. yeah do you guys I, remember that? I had been watching Archer and I hadn't seen Bob's Burgers. It's like, oh, I know this is a crossover, but I don't have any connection to the characters. Right, right. But now, now if I were to go back and rewatch this, like, oh, this is kind of neat. Because it's like a the cold open to one of the episodes yes. of Archer. Yes. And the thing that I found troubling about that is... Oh, I bet it's the same thing I found troubling. None of them spoke. spoke. Yes. And like, Couldn't you just get the voices for like two lines? And Eugene Merman actually uh, did voice acting in, I think it was the next episode oh, yeah. of Archer <laughs> after <laughs> that in that season. <sighs> And it was like, could you not bring him in a day early? I mean, they were all just so silent and creepy the yeah, way that they didn't weird. speak. But it, it, it was pretty amazing, that crossover. Was I, liked, I liked that they acknowledged that mm-hmm. that tie-in yeah. between the two. Yes. So. Yeah. 
Well, and Chris Parnell's shown up in, in Bob's Burgers as, as well as one of the characters. Uh, his friend, the millionaire guy. Oh, uh... Oh, that's right. Warren... <laughs> I can't remember his last name. This isn't, this isn't a quiz show. You don't need to. <laughs> I know. Don't she was really worried. She's like, I what if I don't sound like an actual fan? What if they ask me something I don't know? <laughs> I, like we we have had people on the show who who are very in depth in what they know, and I'm pretty sure they can't just answer at the drop of the hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, his name is Warren. His last name starts with a Z, but I can't remember what it was. Okay. That's as far as we're okay. gonna go. Good job. <laughs> All right. Final question. If there are people out there listening to this podcast who who somehow have avoided Bob's Burgers or are <laughs> avoiding Bob's Burgers, what would be your pitch to get them on to start watching the show? I think what I would say is if you spend any time out there reading about it, looking into it, there's a huge contingent of people who watch Bob's Burgers because it soothes their anxiety. And I think it, that says something about the show. I did not know that. Yeah. There's articles, blog posts, Reddit threads, all about it. And I think what it is, is it simultaneously allows you to shut off that part of your brain that is worrying about the real world, Mm -hmm. but also makes it okay to be who you are in that space while you're watching the show. And it does all of that without being heavy-handed mm-hmm. and being hilarious yeah it's the humor i think is is very soothing mm-hmm. about it as well yeah so, interesting i didn't know that but i now that you say it it makes sense yeah i mean it soothed you in seattle yeah so it's true soothed in seattle i am a success story <laughs> <laughs> i've just googled it right now and i'm like wow there's a ton there's a ton yeah wow house workers might help anxiety yep watching cartoons suddenly manage my mental illness yep hmm. Yeah, there's like a warmth to it. Yeah. Yeah. So did it work? Uh, did my pitch work? Are you guys... <laughs> I'm going to go watch Bob's Burgers. Okay, okay sweet. Continue the eighth season. What's the expression? Preaching to the converted? <laughs> yes. All this has done is made me want to catch up on season eight. <laughs> season eight is by far, and this is coming from a super, super, super fan, the best season. Yeah. It's you really have... Good. A lot to look forward to. Now, this is that is the season that had Thanks Hoarding in it, right? Yes. Because that is my favorite Thanksgiving episode, and I am just frothing for Thanksgiving to arrive so that we can watch that yes. again. So it's go. So good. Go and do. Go and watch. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll do that after. It's going to finish this podcast. So I'm going to go, <laughs> do that. go to my Android box and be like, how do I watch <laughs> the next? Uh, <clears throat> but instead of that, because we are still doing a podcast, I am going to talk about this week's Spotlight, which is where we try to highlight a cool cause related to the episode that we're doing, or a cool fan project or whatever. Spotlight. I found two things, or rather, G told me one thing, and I found another thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of which is called the Bob's Burger Experiment, which you can find at thebobsburgerexperiment.com. It doesn't look like it's been updated a little bit, and it may have been the inspiration for the book that um, the showrunner had written which is a bob's burger burger book but if you want to see a fan who did this and not the show creator uh, it is a cooking blog dedicated to the bob's burger of the day it takes the name from the ponderful names of burgers that are presented in the show which include things like mission acornplished what else we got here the roquefort files burger nice (laughs) all sorts of different things 
The blog hasn't been updated in a while, but that doesn't mean you can't go take a look at what this one fan did to try to make all of the burgers. There is, of course, also a book that you can purchase of all the joke burgers that are made in actuality. So you can check that out at thebobsburgerexperiment.com. The other thing I wanted to mention, not because it is Bob's Burgers exclusive, but because G reminded me that they do a lot of cool stuff related to food and TV shows, Binging with Babish which is a YouTube channel where you follow along with his torso every week as he recreates the iconic and obscure foods from your favorite movies and TV shows all in dazzling 4K. Uh, the reason that it came up is G had mentioned that he did an episode on Bob's Burgers trying to make some of the horrible burgers less <laughs> horrible. He made the baby you can chive my car burger and it was really good. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> After you've made all your burgers and uh, stuff yourself watching certain episodes, you can then... Uh, plug your headphones into Pods Burgers. Would you like to tell us a little bit about Pods Burgers? Oh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Pods Burgers is a podcast that chronicles my Bob's Burgers obsession. And my actually <laughs> validating it. <laughs> it is uh, currently available on iTunes. And Stitcher. And Stitcher. And we are on Facebook at Pods Burgers and Instagram mm-hmm. at Pods Burgers. Yep. It's not a recap show. No. We really go deep into the philosophy of Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. And we drink wine, and we talk about Michael McDonald. Yep. And there's a golden retriever. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> all those things. I don't know if there are other podcasts that can offer you that very specific construct. We can. <laughs> Come to us. I think you're the only ones doing it in the podcast biz. Single other podcast that can touch you in that area. <laughs> nice. But if you've listened to all of Pod's Burgers and for some reason still want to listen to more podcasts, you can always go to Fantapological and check out all of our episodes where we cover a different fandom every week. You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, your favorite podcatcher. And while you're there, if you could please leave us a rating or review, that'd be much appreciated. If there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the show, please email us nick at thenickscast.com. This podcast is Fanthropological, but we three are the Knicks cast, and you can find us all over the internet at the Knicks cast, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and I think that's it. <laughs> and another thing you might want to do, if you want to add a little bit of uh, spice to your podcast listening experience, <laughs> throw a little extra condiment on your pod <laughs> burger, if you will. And to do that, you'd want to head over to twitch.tv slash the Knicks cast to watch this podcast be made right before your eyes in our open podcast kitchen here at the next cast studios and why why would you want to do that you know why would you want to see us like making the buns and frying up the burgers and all that stuff putting together these these juicy nuggets of conversation well you'd want to head over to twitch.tv slash the next cast you know usually around eight o'clock in the evening stay tuned to our Twitter at the next cast to find out the exact day that uh, varies from time to time, but you'd want to join us there to join in the chat, throw your own ingredients into the mix, if you will, with mix your... your own metaphors. Sure. Yes, of course. <laughs> we have a, a, we have a mix your own metaphor bar off to the side, <laughs> you know, and add your questions to the conversation. Ask us our thoughts on this, that, or the other. You could drop by to ask us to play Fortnite. We'll probably say no. You could do it. <laughs> but most importantly, you can drop by twitch.tv slash the next cast when we are recording these episodes 
to participate in the famous last words. Famous last words. If you didn't enjoy enough of making the sausage with Z, boy, did you get some this week. (laughs) Famous last words. That's right. It's our chance to say something or ask a question about the fandom that we're going to cover next week before we've done any of the research. Sometimes we know a thing and it helps and sometimes we don't know anything and it goes off the rails really quickly. (laughs) Next episode, we are going to be covering the fandom behind the video game and television and comic book series. There's a bunch of stuff of Sonic the Hedgehog. So to everyone involved and the chat, what are your famous last words around either Sonic the Hedgehog or the fandom around Sonic the Hedgehog? I have so many questions. (laughs) You can pick one like, we, we do not judge. Sometimes we learn a lot of really interesting things. Sometimes we ask really mundane questions and get really <laughs> exciting answers. All right. I've got one to, to jump in here with. Go for it. Okay. I've got a little bit of a preamble, but I'll be quick. Oh, Sonic the Hedgehog has what I would consider a mess of canon and of continuity. Because you've got the comics, which tell sort of a different story from the games. Which, as far as I know, tell a different story from either of the two cartoon shows in the 90s. I know now there have been maybe two more cartoons since. But one thing that kind of is on again, off again, is Sonic's love of chili cheese dogs. (laughs) Or chili dogs. Just regular chili dogs. Chili cheese dogs is Brent from (laughs) Cornegas. Exactly. He is not Sonic. He's maybe got a pump fast, but not go fast. So my question is, do chili dogs hold any sort of significance to the Sonic the Hedgehog fandom? When Sonic the Hedgehog fans get together, do they have a feast of chili dogs? Or was that just some weird throwaway thing in the 90s that has not continued? I think I can go with softball here and say, how, how important is music to Sonic fandom? Ooh. Okay, because there's the games, but then Sonic Underground had a bunch of... Like that Michael Jackson song? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ice Cap Zone. Yeah. Yep. I don't know why I know that. Don't ask that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask, what part of Sonic do folks latch on to? Like, there's games and comics and whatever. What is it that is really appealing of Sonic the Hedgehog? Is it that he goes fast? Is that really all there is? <laughs> he does go pretty fast. Because he's got attitude. <laughs> is it the 90s? <laughs> it could be the 90s. Jaleel White. Ooh. Oh, yeah. haven't heard Urkel in a long time. <laughs> Brittany and Jen, do you have any famous last words? I would like to know, I guess this is another softball, but what are the most favorite and least favorite of Sonic's sidekicks? It could be across the games, the comics, whatever. And, you know, this one may be cut out, but there's some there's some interesting Sonic fanfic out there, I hear. So (laughs) maybe explore that a bit. Yes. Yes. Let's go there. I searched the entire brain library just then about what I know about Sonic. And the only thing I could come up with was that he makes a brief appearance in Wreck-It Ralph. (laughs) How do the fans feel about... This is actually a serious question, though, because is that selling out? Did that make him lame? Is that, you know, what's the story there? I don't don't actually know. And in the upcoming movie, he's going to be played by Ben Schwartz. Oh, he's in? He's weird on Bob's Burgers. Um, <gasps> Look at you. I can't remember the name of. <laughs> he was like he the dancer. dancer. That, um, Josh? Josh? 
Gosh, that's it. Yeah. I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's a, one of the pairings that's not super popular, but uh, does happen now and then in the fanfic. Like Tina and Josh, yeah. yeah. She had it all. She had two boys, and then she had no boys. <laughs> she pushed it too far. <laughs> yep. Somewhere in my oh. mind, I've got Tina and Zeke together eventually, but Ooh. yeah. See, top. I didn't mention this, but apparently it came up again. Top three pairings: uh, <laughs> Louise and Logan, nineteen percent. Louise and regular size Rudy, thirteen percent. Tina and Zeke, twelve yeah. percent. Oh. Top three. See, see, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know it deep down. You know that in third place in your heart, it's... <laughs> yes, exactly. It's valid. It's validated. The only thing left to say is thank you guys so much for joining us on the show. Yes, thank uh, you. This was a lot of fun. We literally couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> <laughs> the experts. And yeah, everyone else, thank you for listening. And until next time, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. the everyman's not always going to triumph. <laughs> Jen's dog is making a few growling sounds. No, Sorry. No. <laughs> Doesn't like Jimmy Pesto. I get it. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, something I was going to say. Jimmy Pesto like doesn't.